What's up, y'all? It's your boy Devin, and I'm back with another episode of I Stopped Drinking, so I started a podcast. Last week, we lost a good one. We lost a close family friend, um, and she was one of the most beautiful souls that I'd ever met. Just the sound of her voice, her smile, she just made you feel like family right away. There was no filling out process. There was no, eh, I'm going to be respectful and courteous to this person, but I'm going to keep them at arm's length. No. From the second you met her, you were family. You were one of her kids, so to speak. And I looked at social media, Facebook, uh, specifically, and the outpouring of, of love and support and condolences was incredible, but it wasn't unexpected given the type of person that she was. And it got me thinking, we all leave, we all leave at some point, none of us make it out of this world, out of this life alive. We all are given a certain amount of time while not all guaranteed. We're all given a certain amount of time to make an impact on the world around us. So with that said, when you leave, when I leave, what type of social legacy do we leave behind? I'm not talking about your accomplishments. I'm not talking about your, your, your professional accolades. I'm not talking about your athletic accolades. Sorry, I'm growling here. It's early and I'm hungry as shit. But um, I'm talking about what type of impact did you have on the world around you? On the people around you? How did you how did you increase the value of your relationship? And I'm not just talking about romantic. I'm talking about every relationship working, platonic, romantic. I'm talking about across the board. When you come into someone's life or vice versa. It's either for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Now, I have people in my life who have provided me with nothing but negative experiences. They were there for a reason. They were there to teach me something. To teach me how to create boundaries. What I didn't like. What I did like. Now, can I look back on them now somewhat more favorably? No. I appreciate the insight that they provided. But you have to understand that a lot of those types of people are just running through life creating fires. They're, they're the reason for a shift in mindset for a lot of people. <clears throat> so... That might make them a necessary evil. Can everybody be here to to be pleasant and be 
and be a beautiful sign of, of, of what a positive person can bring to your life. It's just like not everybody can be a doctor or a lawyer. We got to have garbage men. We got to have people who, who are servers at restaurants. We need to have the balance. Right. You can't know the good until you've experienced the bad. And so that transitions into the seasonal people. You know, those are the people who you were friends with when you were, you know, kids. You know, like the kid that you your best friend in in in, in seventh grade, right? Or your best friend from fifth grade to grade nine, and then you know, you high school comes around and, and you're playing football and they're playing basketball and you're running with two different circles, but you two got to share an extended amount of, of time together. Those people help to get you through a tough time in your life. I had one of those. He and I don't speak anymore. But when we met and we became friends, my parents were going through a tough time and I had nowhere to go. And so this person comes into my life and his family comes into my life and they know what's going on. They know what's going on at home. So the option was always on the table for me to be there. And I was. And we spent a huge amount of time together. And we spent a lot of time together until around the time we got married. You know, I haven't seen his mom in years, but she still calls me son. You know, I I spent countless hours there. I went on trips with them. They were my seasonal retreat. They provided me with a place where I could be safe and where I could be free from the adult things that I was seeing at home as a child. I wish him well. I wish him nothing but love, but our time at that point was over. Our reasoning for the seasonal retreat was over. So I move on to the next phase of my life. And now I uh, I I'm I'm married now. So that will be my experience of the lifetime. I'm heavy into my vows. I will get married one time. Period. You can quote it. You can write it down. If this podcast blows up in 10 years, okay? If it become and it has millions of viewers, check the receipt. I'm still going to be married to the same woman. And if I'm not, I will not be married to anybody else. She is for me, my lifetime relationship. I will die with her. That is that is my goal, my universal outcome is to die with her. Because I've taken all those other experiences throughout my life and I've put them into this. And she's taken uh she's taken experiences from other parts of her life and brought it into this. And we've used that to cultivate a bond with each other. And it's weird 
I was just on the phone last night with a guy that I met through her who now I consider a friend, a good friend, a brother. And that's ironic because I've met some fantastic guys through my wife. And these are guys that she's just friends with. Dude, she knew from high school. They're all married. They all have families. But that lifetime relationship, that tree has branched off into a network. See, your lifetime relationships will start to create a network for you. It starts to entangle you. Now, we're friends. Now, my wife is friends with their wives. I know their children. And that network will continue and it will flourish. But to my greater point is that while you're going through these relationships, what type of effect are you leaving behind? Right? I don't think in my life that I've ever done anything that was so bad that it would create a lasting effect on anyone's life. I, <clears throat> you can call me naive. You can call me probably slightly narcissistic, but I've never done that. I've never wanted to enter any relationship or leave any relationship on horrible terms. I've never wanted to move into someone's space and destroy it. Now, has every relationship that I've been a part of, has it been approved by everyone? No. But that comes to the the, the greater point of just because you're accommodating, just because you're nice and accepting, doesn't mean you have to be passive. It doesn't mean that you have to be a yes person, constantly yielding to everyone and what they want and what you need or what they need. That's where you get into trouble. Because when you start to be passive and let everybody just have their way, you become a passenger. You become a passenger in their life and what they need and what they want. And that's when you end up in trouble. That's when you end up in a place that you have no business being. You know, that's when you end up being with someone who's emotionally abusive because you're just allowing them to move you like a piece wherever they want you. And that goes back to the seat, to the regional relationships where those people teach you how you want to move as you progress through life. See, I want to be like Mrs. Sears. When I pass I want people to feel as if their life is not as enjoyable. You can call that selfish if you want. But when I leave this earth, I want to leave it in a way that people were happy to have spent time with me. That they were happy to have known me. And, you know, we can't like everybody. There are people that you're naturally just not going to get on with. And that's fine. Those people aren't for you. 
can't go you can't go through life just collecting people because as you get older we naturally get more conservative our box becomes smaller we let we 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 we've learned through those experiences how to vet people and as soon as and as soon as you see something that you don't like you get rid of it you discard it you know when i was younger man i was it was like i was just trying to just just take in as much as i could meet people from everywhere just soak up all these experiences soak up all these different personalities and and viewpoints and and cultures and all these things and as i'm all as i'm getting older I realized that that probably wasn't the right way to go, but it was for me. It was natural for me. I love just 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 being in the thick of it, the smell, the atmosphere, just talking to people, just chopping it up. Ooh, that belly. But yeah, I loved it. And I'm as an adult, I'm looking at people, I'm observing people. Eh, not feeling that energy. Eh, I can work with that. Eh, I I need to steer clear of this person because people, you know, we always have this this idea in our head, you know that that you can almost immediately suss someone out and know where they're coming from, and a lot of that is true because people are constantly giving off their energy. You get a guy that walks in a room, he might not be visually stimulating. He may be full of tattoos. He may look scruffy or he may look mean. And the truth of the matter is he might be a nice person. But you're not willing to go past that 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 initial sight of this person. They look like somebody you want to steer clear of. And there are people who walk into rooms, chest poked out, scowl, you know, you hear the tone in their voice, how they're talking to people, the level of respect that they're giving off. And you say, whoa, I'm going to stay out of this person's way because their their energy is off. They got that disrespectful energy going on. And, and at some point, if I don't stay away from this person, we're going to butt heads. Or you get a person who walks in, tail wagging, smiling, look look like they're happy. They look like they enjoy life. You're going to be more inclined to speak to that person. Whether or not they have the, the capacity to hurt you or not, you're still going to be more open and willing to to entertain this person to get to know this person to spend time with this person that's the most incredible thing that we have as humans you can disarm somebody with just a smile just a smile I see people outside every single day workers you know 
uh, merchants at, at grocery stores or, you know, a mall, a shoe store, a furniture, any store. And the smile that they get when you just ask them how they are. Just showing basic interest in them as a person is enough to disarm them. Because we live in a society where no one gives a crap about anybody else. We live in a society where emotion is weakness. And everybody's running around trying to be edgy. Everybody's running around trying to conceal themselves. That's an improper way. Ooh, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm talking more than me. But we live in a society where no one wants to give of themselves because there is a chance that you could be hurt. But that was the same thing 50 years ago. That was the same thing 100 years ago. Were people more decent back then? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. But you can see it in older generations of people when you talk to them, how they ask questions. They lead. Where you from? What you doing? How long are you going to be here for? When I'm on vacation, most of the people I talk to are older people. It's very rarely that we link up with someone in our age group because people in our age group are... The tunnel vision. I don't want to talk to you unless you meet my criteria. Okay, fine. I might not. I may not be attractive enough for you. I may not make enough money for you. Uh, you may not agree with my my choice in a, a partner. You may not agree with anything, any arbitrary thing you can have to cut people off and. And to to their credit, why would you? You're there for seven days. You're there for two weeks. You're going to go home. You're not going to give a shit about me. You're going to go on with your life. And that's cool. And I'm going to do the same. But whenever I'm around older people, they want to know what's going on. They want to know who they're around. They want to know what your story is. They want to vet you. And the only way to truly vet someone... It's to talk to them. The only way to get to know where someone's coming from, where someone's going, how they feel is by talking to them. And so you have these these long, in-depth conversations with people who are not of, of your generation. Most of the times they're of your parents age. And you just have these good conversations and they want to know, like there are people that I've met who are my parents' age that I still talk to. We don't live in, we don't live within two thousand miles of each other, but we still talk to each other. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? That is a direction that my generation and the generations following need to start pursuing. We need to start building networks, being more vulnerable. Because that's that's the only way society moves forward. When in Toronto, uh, the Rogers Internet service provider went out, blacked out the whole city network, dark. It's 50 people at Starbucks huddled around 
trying to pull what little Wi-Fi they can. Nobody stopped to talk to each other. Nobody stopped to enjoy the silence. That was the time to drop. Oh, my phone's not working. Fuck. It's it's a pain in the butt, especially for people who do work for online uh, companies and things like that. You work from home. It sucks your Internet's down. But on a Saturday afternoon, sitting out of Starbucks, outside of Starbucks, huddled around like a bunch of zombies. Is that really for work or is that because we're too uptight to talk to each other? Nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be the tryhard. I've seen people say people who act happy. I can't trust those type of people. I've actually seen people or heard people say that. It's a crime to be happy. It's not. When I'm out in these streets. I want to return back to what I was before. You know. Just be nice. Welcoming. Nurturing. But sure up your boundaries. Establish them. Stick to them. You don't have to be rah-rah and all crazy and shit. You can establish boundaries and defend yourself without being violent. You can defend yourself without being aggressive. Now, it's a time for that. But most encounters aren't even close to that. They ain't even close to it. You see two people fighting out in public. It's usually because party A did something to disrespect party B. And instead of party B saying, look, I don't operate like that. I don't get down like that. Look, if we're going to continue to talk, then it needs to be this way. If not, then we need to part ways. Right. It's because when party A disrespected party B, it went from zero to 100 real quick. Ain't nobody fucking disrespecting me. Bro, we can go outside. I'm going to beat your ass. But we don't need to be doing all that. We're adults. You know, as an adult, if you can't lower your gaze and you talk to people, bring it down a notch and, and talk to people and let people know how you feel without getting rah-rah, then you need to go see a therapist. Seriously. Because you have some anger management issues. You know, so I think for me, the rest of you guys can do anything you want. For me, um, I want to be more like Mrs. Sears. I want to be able to turn things with the sound of my voice. When she when she talked, and you heard her voice. You automatically smile. When you saw her, she gave you the biggest hugs, the warmest hugs. And she will be missed because she had all the qualities that we all should aspire to have.
Rest in peace, Mrs. Sears. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know it's all over the place sometimes, but trying to keep it one take. So, and sometimes it gets a little unorganized, but I'm trying to stay consistent. And for all you guys who have continued to listen and support me, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Y'all have a good one. Peace.